This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. Go In is uh, a message that... uh, is a result of, of something I was reading, uh, a story actually that we're going to start with tonight, uh, as a result of a story that I was, uh, uh, something I was reading, and it just really began to speak to me. And as it was speaking to me, I just felt that, that I needed to put some of the things that were being sown into my life into our congregation. And, and, and this story that we're going to read just uh, uh, really shook, shook me and, and made me think about some areas of my life. So, Father, before we begin this reading tonight, I pray that you'll open to us, speak to us your word and help us to become all that you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Second Samuel chapter 23, David has, has said, I sure wish I could have a, a drink of water from the well. And as he's wanted uh, a drink of water from his hometown, uh, this is the response after the men have fought through to bring him a cold drink from his hometown. They fought a battle just so they could bring David a a cold drink of water from the well that he that he longed for. This was his response. Second Samuel twenty three seventeen. Far be it from me, Lord, to do this. He said, "Is it not the blood of men who went at the risk of their lives?" And David would not drink it. Now, what I want you to notice from this is this: some things are worth risking your life for. I'll say that again. Some things are worth fighting for and some things are worth dying for. I think the problem is we won't fight for what needs to be fought for, but we'll fight for something that is already going to kill us. We'll fight to keep our sin. Come on. We'll fight, lie, cheat, and steal to keep it, but sometimes we give up too soon on our victory. Thank you for not helping me preach early on because I, I, I could really run with that right there. We'll give up too quick on our victory where we will do everything to hold on to our failures. Some things are worth dying for. Some things are worth fighting for even if you know you're probably going to lose. I was reading and I read the story of of a missionary. Uh, I want to show you a picture of this missionary, if they could put it on the screen. This is J.W. Tucker. J.W. Tucker was an Assembly of God missionary who traveled with his young family in the 1960s to a a war-torn continent of Africa. He arrived in uh, about three or four years before this time, so I think it may have been 59, but around 1964, after returning stateside for a while, he felt a great call to return and to go into a a new place. As I began to read this story of J.W. Tucker, I, I had to go and research it further. I had to go and, and I wanted to see what he looked like. I wanted to know a little bit more about this story. C.W. C. Tucker uh, had a plan to go in to uh, the Civil War region of the Congo. He was going to take the gospel where no one else would dare to go. This missionary, J.W. Tucker, would take time to plan this mission. 
During the planning stages of this mission, one of his missionary friends, uh, I believe his name was Plotz, but one of his missionary friends said to him, uh, you don't want to do this. You, you, you don't want, he pled with him, he begged with him, don't go to this region. Don't, and to quote, this was what he said. He told him, if you go, watch this, if you go, you won't come out. If you go, you won't come out. To which Tucker responded, God didn't tell me I had to come out. He only told me I had to go in. I thought that was pretty powerful. He said, I'm responding to the battle call of the Lord. He didn't tell me I had to come out the other side. He simply told me I have to be willing to go in. And on November 24th of 1964, just there right after Thanksgiving, uh, the day before I believe it was, but right after Thanksgiving there in 1964, J.W. Tucker stood on the, the Bamonke River. And upon that riverbank, he and 60 other believers were all bloodied. They were bloodied from a vicious attack. They had been tortured with broken bottles for countless hours. These men who had only wanted to love Christ and allow others to know the love of Christ, they stood there bloodied and beaten. Their hands were tied behind their back. And one by one, they were working down the line toward, toward uh, uh, J.W. Tucker. And they were working down the line of these 60 men. And they were pushing them off this Bamongi River. They were pushing them off into this river so that the crocodiles could consume them. And the feasting crocodiles could be heard uh, uh, swarming below them. And one by one, they stood their ground for the cause of Christ. And their lives ended on this earth. And we're going to come back to this story of Tucker in just a few moments. But I want you to note something. There is no testimony without a trial. There can be no victory without a battle. Sometimes you go into battle and you do not know if you're going to win or lose, but that does not change the fact that all of the righteous battles that God commissions are worth fighting. I understand that sometimes I feel like I'm fighting for people and I don't know if we're going to win or lose, but you still have to do what you feel is right. You still have to stake your claim. You still have to make your position be known because you cannot come out of something that you are not willing to go into. I want you to say that again. You cannot come out of something that you are not willing to go into the drive to win in our, in our world is a consuming part of our culture. Winning at all costs has replaced how many play the game. And that is the rule of an earthly kingdom. An earthly kingdom says whatever it takes to win, that's what I'm going to do. Does anybody understand that philosophy? I said in a, in a home one time, since nobody's going to respond and even raise their hand tonight, I'm just going to preach for a while on it. Amen. I sat in a home one time and I watched a, a man become enraged because his wife was beating him on a board game. And I watched him trade his character to move his character along a board. I sat in awe, watched him just boiling over because his wife had the audacity to beat him. He was not willing to lose 
and his character wasn't worth saving to not advance that playful character along in a game. We live in a world that says win at any cost, whatever it takes for the team to win. They'll, they'll deflate balls. Come on now. I guess that's a bad year to say that one. Amen. They'll do whatever it takes to get the edge. Take a drug that will enhance their abilities. Do whatever, knowing they're risking their reputation because the earthly kingdom says win at any cost. But we are not of this kingdom. And I want you to understand, in God's kingdom, winning is not the issue. We may win and we may lose some. But the success of the matter is not judged by a win or a loss in the column. It is judged by our obedience. Have we been obedient to the call of Christ? Have we done what God told us to do? It might look like your business is losing because you honored your word, even though another price changed in a way that you couldn't change. But character is what it's about. Sometimes. It looks like you lose, but ultimately, obedience to the commands of Christ are our goals, our must become our driving force. Even when it looks like someone is going to take advantage of us, we must honor God by honoring our commitments, and we must show the world who we are by our actions and by us walking even through the storms with integrity. Can I get an amen for that tonight? We must be willing to go in. We continue to serve God and we honor Him even in the bad times. That is when we bring praise to His name. When we are willing to even... I mean, I, I know it sounds odd, but, but it's not in my nature to lose an argument. But sometimes you just have to back down because you're about to lose greater than it will cost you to lose the argument. You're going to lose of your integrity. You're going to lose of the relationship. Sometimes you've got to act a certain way that backs up and says, look, I'm going to honor God, but I don't have to win this moment. I want you to... Here's, here's what I put. We honor God... No matter what we're facing, we honor God when His glory becomes more important than our glory. And I know no one in this room's ever dealt with that. No one here has ever been arguing with your spouse and, and, and you, you know you're wrong, but you just don't want to admit you're wrong because then they'll gloat and be right. I'm reminded of that, especially when, I, when I'm doing a wedding, I'm reminded of that verse that says, love keeps no record of wrongs. And I think, Lord, let me love right. Because if every time it looks like I'm in the wrong, if I bring up when they were wrong, I'm not loving. But we have to understand, sometimes, you, you, you might, maybe you don't have a problem with this. I'll just pick on you guys for a minute. You all get along nonstop without any issues, right? And y'all all get along all the time up there, I know. Yeah. You see, sometimes we lose sight of who was right and wrong, and we, we get to the place to where we, we begin to say, but don't you know who I am? Or even better yet, we'll say, you should have known better than messing with me. You see, we honor God when His glory becomes more important than our glory. I thought about Daniel would have never come out of the lion's den 
if he had never been willing to stay true to his devotion to God and God's glory. It was Daniel's desire to continue to honor God that took him into the lion's den. He would have never had the joy of coming out of the lion's den if he wasn't willing to go in for the glory of God. And Daniel didn't go in as some violent uh, opposer. Daniel went in simply because he'd made a stand for the righteous things of God. Let me just tell you, you might lose your job because you make a stand for God, but continue honoring God. Some stories not in my notes, but I'll never forget the day my boss took me to the back area of our business, and he said, Don, you see these products here? I said, yes, sir. He said, your job's to sell these products. I said, yes, sir. I'll do my best job to sell these products. He said, Don, you're going to sell these products as new. And I said, sir, those are not new products. Those are refurbished products. And he said, it doesn't matter. You're going to sell them as new. And I said, sir, you may take my job, and I will sell those objects. But I will not lie for you, and I will never lie to you. And he left that room, and I didn't know if I was going to have a job. The rest of the job knew I didn't know if I was going to have a job. But I looked at him, and with as much respect, I promise you, I'm never going to lie to you, but I will not lie for you. He was angry at me. I sold those products without lying. God gave me favor. That man, he wanted me to fail in that because he didn't like the fact that I had called him on the dishonesty. But he didn't mind me standing up for the things of God when he came down with a stomach aneurysm and was rushed into surgery and, and, and all the doctors told his family he was going to die. And we went and prayed for him and God raised him up. He didn't mind it then. As a matter of fact, it went from not wanting me to uh, still work there. It went, I finally had to stop going there because even after I didn't work there, I would go back and he would give me anything this church needed. And I, and he said, he said, Don, all my millionaire friends disappeared when I was dying. Nobody consoled my family. He said, but you and your daddy showed up and God heard your prayer and I'm still here. And I thought it probably didn't start then. It probably started when we made a decision to honor God. Now look, I was a newlywed, I didn't need to lose my job, things didn't need to go that way, and I could have compromised a thousand different ways. But there has to come a time in your life when you make up your mind, I might have to go in somewhere I don't want to go, I might have to fight a battle I don't want to fight, but I'm willing to go in if it matters whether or not I continue to bring glory to the name of the Lord. Amen. Sometimes you've got to fight. Sometimes you're not fighting just for your own self, but you're fighting for a higher cause. You're fighting for the cause, Christ. The key to honoring God is the commitment to be true to God's promises and God's ways in our lives, no matter what it costs us. Amen. Scripture refers to our desire to be true to the things of God as a unique term. It refers to it as stewardship. Stewardship. And here's what stewardship is by definition. Stewardship means that we make the most of the time, talent, and treasure that God has given us. Now, no matter what it costs us, we're going to honor God with it. 
Somebody taught me a little verse when I was a child. It said, whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it as unto the Lord with all your might. And I memorized that verse as a child. And I don't know how many times I wanted to cut a corner and that verse would begin to haunt me. Lord, I don't want someone saying that I robbed them on this job. I don't want somebody saying I didn't do it right. God, I want whatever I put my hand to to bring glory unto your name. That's stewardship. When God puts something in your hand, you're not squandering it. You're not wasting it. You're honoring God with it. You're fighting a good fight. Some people will just give up and give in to the world. But no, you're going to continue to use every ounce of time God's given you for his glory. Amen. You see, we do our best to stay true to our cause with all that God has placed in our hands. Even when we feel like that what we have is not adequate, we still honor God with it. Watch this. Even when you don't feel like you have enough, you honor God with it. Even when you feel, let me, let me just be real plain. If you can't honor, honor God in want, you will never honor God in excess. You have to honor God right where you are. You have to begin to honor God right where you are. And some days it's going to seem like it doesn't make sense. You keep honoring God, I promise you, you get more concerned about His glory than your own, it's going to work out for your good in the end. Honoring God. You see, here's what our responsibility is. Our responsibility. This, this is what it really comes down to. This is how we're going to honor God in our lives. Joshua chapter uh, 3, verse number 5. This is what uh, Joshua told the people. Joshua 3, verse number 5. says, Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow... The Lord will do amazing things among you. Consecrate yourself, for the Lord will do amazing things among you. No matter what you're facing, you need to consecrate yourself. Can I get an amen for that? You see, our responsibility is to go all in for God every single day. If we're going to go in in the, in the big times, we better have been going in in the quiet times. If we're going to go in when we're having to stand on a bank knowing the crocodiles are waiting for us to fall in, then you better have been able to go in for God when nobody else is watching in the privacy of your own home. You better have been able to go in for God when you were out of town and nobody knew your name. Going in for God in the big stuff does not start. People will say to me, Pastor, I want to preach. I say, well, if you want to preach, you better start listening when God tells you to witness to the waitress. You better start preaching when God tells you to tell your neighbor something you don't want to tell them. You better start speaking it in the small times. Because if you can't honor God in the small times, you'll never honor God in the big times. That is what the Word tells us to do. And what it literally says, Joshua says, consecrate yourself. Consecrate. The literal translation of consecrate is to become associated with the sacred. That's what it means to be consecrated. That you become associated with the sacred. So that when they see you coming, they say, here comes that Christian. When they see you coming, they'll know to even joke with you on your job. I know, Christian. You're going to want to be honest about it. You're going to want to not take an extra long break like everybody else. You're going to want to honor God. We know, Christian. Yep, 
we know you should respond this way, but you're going to do it this way. We know you're going to honor God's house and you're not going to skip out. Oh, I'm getting personal now. Sorry. We must begin to live our lives in such a way that we will be associated with God. I have a friend, and, and, and this is one of my closer friends, and I, I, the first time I ever met this person, I literally walked away from the meeting, and I said, if I've ever met a Christian, I just met one. Immediately, every action and every word was pointing to Jesus. And Joshua says, look, here's your job. Your job is to get yourself associated with Jesus. That's just how it is. Somebody called me yesterday. And they said, hey, can I do this? And I said, why are you calling me to do this? I said, I, said, you can't, I can't let you do that, but my brother could let you do that. And they said, well, I didn't want to call him. I said, so you called me to ask if I would let you do it, but you really want me because he's my brother. All right, is that making sense? They said, well, do you think you could ask him? I said, no, ask him yourself. Here, reach out to him. Wasn't even that big a deal. But they were trying to use the association. That's our job. Our job, and it will cost you sometimes. I, I hope I'm making sense to somebody tonight. It will cost you sometimes. It will, it will make you have to, to, to say things that, that you don't want to say, like, I'm sorry. You ever had to say that one? Because God made you? I don't like telling this story, but apparently it's necessary. Tonight, I'll never forget the store man who made my wife cry. You can make me cry. Don't you make my mama or my wife cry. I went over there, and when I was through with him, he was almost in tears himself. I took this big old burly man and I put him in his place and just, just dealt with him. And what he wouldn't do, his district manager made him do. And I walked out of there like king of the world till I got to my car. And a still small voice started dealing with my heart. And I cannot exaggerate. It did not happen immediately, but I finally repented about two weeks later. Y'all think I'm kidding, but it's true. And I said, Lord, please forgive me the way that I treated that man. It wasn't right. God, forgive me. I didn't cuss him. I didn't, I didn't lie. I just, just dealt with him. I just took his feet right out from under him and taught him his place. And God said, you go over there and you tell him that you were wrong. And you apologize. Ah, God, I can't do that. Do it. But God, he was wrong. But you were too. He knows what you do for a living. I said, God, but he's a Baptist deacon. He ought to know better. <laughs> you, boy. I drove over there. I drove to his store. I walked into his store. I said, I need to see him. I called him by name. They said, he's not here. And I said, thank you, God. You just wanted to see if I'd be willing to come in the lines then. <laughs> 
God says, you didn't get out of that easy. I went back and saw him again. I went back and saw him again. Finally, he wasn't there any of the times I went. I thought, God, you've been so good to me. And God, I said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, God, since this isn't working catching him, I'm going to write him a card. And if he's not there the next time I go by, I'll just leave the card. How's that, God? Well, God doesn't like how's that. So I showed up. And I walked into there, and his eyes got about that big. And I had a card, and I was like, well, here, this is for you. I want you to know I'm sorry. What'd you say? I was wrong. And there was a side of me that wanted to slap him again right there. I didn't physically hurt him, but I'm talking about verbally because he he saw my repentant heart and he jumped on my repentant heart like a buzzard on a roadkill. I'm telling you, right there. I've never used that illustration before, but it's good. (laughs) He circled and landed and started ripping me to pieces. I said, man, I just want to tell you I was sorry. Look, look, I've told you now I'm going to go. You know what that kind man did? He followed me all the way to the car. Pastor Danny was in the car. Pastor Michael was in the car. Pastor Dave was in the car. And that man stood outside of my car and chewed me up and spit me out. And I didn't want God to be mad at me again. And I said, well, I'm sorry. Hurt my pride in front of my friends. I could have hurt him worse at that moment. I won't tell you the imaginations I was having right that moment. But I won, and I got in my car, and I drove away, and I didn't feel that feeling anymore. I'm trying to tell you that we become the stewards of this life, and if you want to be consecrated, it's your responsibility. You're going to have to make a decision. Are you going to be associated with the violent, or are you going to be associated with God? Are you going to be associated with sin, or are you going to be associated with the things of God? Can people come to you because they know you know how to pray on your job, and they might make fun of you one day, but but let all hell break loose in their life, and they'll show up at your house, and they'll show up at your desk, and they'll say, I need somebody that knows how to get a hold of God. I saw a man stand right in here one day and he talked about another man. He said, I didn't understand and I told him he was wrong, but he won me to the Lord and he told me about the things of God because he never quit serving God. Folks, you have to keep the battle even if you go in and don't think you're ever going to come out. Most of us want to know the other side and God said, no, 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 go in there and I'll bring you out. Daniel would have honored God if he hadn't come out. But God that he glorified was glorified more when he come out. Can I get an amen? Uh, you will never be able to go in for God on the win or lose moments until you learn to go in all the way. I think I've made that point. The results of our responsibility, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, uh, it begins to speak of how much more do I need to say. It would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people, look, they went in and they overthrew kingdoms. Woo! They ruled with justice. Hallelujah. They received what God had promised. Can I get an amen? Because they went in. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the flames of fire. Glory to God because they went in. They escaped death by the edge of their sword. Woo! They went in. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle because they went went in and they put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from the death because they went in. 
But these went in and they were tortured. Hallelujah. No shouting. They refused to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at because they went in and their backs were cut open with whips. Hallelujah. Nobody's helping me. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. Hallelujah. Others were killed by the sword. Some went about wearing skins and sheep, skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world. Wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. So who won or lost? The ones who conquered or the ones who were torn in half? Let me just be honest with you and clear. They all won. Not because they won here, but because by being obedient despite the circumstances, they all earned a good reputation because of their faith. You see, we honor God when we go in. We go and we take our stand and we go even knowing that we might not come out. When we go in without reserve, more concerned with his reputation than our own, then we have already won the battle because we have obeyed God. Let me close with this story tonight of J.W. Tucker. J.W. Tucker's wife called the day after Thanksgiving she called looking for a report on her husband. She herself would have to be uh, rescued by Belgian paratroopers that would, would land and rescue her and her three children. She called the Catholic mission, and the Catholic mission said to her, your husband is in heaven. The news that she didn't want to hear. As she was flying on the plane that was taking her and her children to safety, she prayed this prayer. God, take Jay's life that has been laid down and use it in death for thine honor and thy glory. And for 30 years, for 30 years, it looked like J.W. Tucker's sacrifice was in vain. But when you go in for God, he always controls the outcome. You see, the Bokondi River flows through the middle of an unreached people group called the Mongbitu. And the Mongbitu were having civil unrest in their region. So the Mongbitu king appealed to his own government for help. They sent a man known simply as the Brigadier. And this man, the Brigadier, was a policeman that J.W. Tucker had won in the region just two months before he was killed. When the brigadier arrived, his efforts to share the gospel with the Mongbitu people failed over and over and over again. They would not hear his message until one day when the brigadier discovered an ancient tribal custom or law. And this was the ancient tribal law. It said, if the blood of any man flows in the Bokondi River, you must listen to his message. 
So the brigadier gathered the village elders, and he told them of a man whose blood had flowed in the river. And here are his words from his account. He said, some time ago, a man was killed, and his body was thrown into the Bokomdi River. The crocodiles in this river ate him up. His blood flowed in your river, but before he died, he left me a message for you. This message concerns God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who came to the world to save people who were sinners. He died for the sins of the world, and he died for my sins. I received this message, and it has changed my life. Immediately, several members of the tribe fell on their knees, surrendering their lives to Jesus. And today, thousands among B2 people serve the Lord Jesus Christ and worship Him as the only true God. All because... This happened all because the man whose blood flowed in the Bokondi River opened the door for the blood that flowed from Calvary to wash them clean. Amen. See why I wanted to share this story with you. You may have thought you have lost, but when God's glory is your goal, you will win. That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at Warhill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 815, 930, and 11 a.m., where you will find real love now.